And this is View the Valley's podcast, episode 25 with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how are you doing? I'm doing really well today. You know, uh, just uh, enjoying the new hoops season that we're getting games off. It's just as chaotic as we thought it was going to be. How are things on your end? Not too bad. Uh, Yeah, really enjoying the college basketball that's been going on lately. Haven't gotten to watch a lot of it as I've been working these 12-hour shifts here the last 10, 11 days, but that's starting to wind down and what's really been getting me through the day is seeing some of these college hoop scores that have been you know going on at 10 30 11 a.m and you know working throughout the day it's really helped the day go by a lot faster because you know so you're spending time on your phone as it's just scores instead of working is that, is that what i'm hearing uh, not entirely you know i pay attention on my break or on lunch i'm not going to say here and there i don't get a notification here and there that maybe brightens up my day because I want to I want to bet, and then just makes me work that much harder. Oh, so and it puts you in a better mood too. So people that you're working with, they they like to see you win too, right? They do, and I think they do know that I bet on sports. So that's a, I think they know the kind of person I am at this point. Is there a line on when the Steelers Ravens game will actually happen? Because at this point, I think it may be the same Sunday that Arch Madness ends. I don't even know when the game will happen. I, uh, I It seems like every time they decide, okay, it's going to happen this date. Eh, well, somebody else tested positive. And then it's, well, that scrap that. Let's try it again. And I'm still trying to figure out why they keep pushing back this, this Ravens-Steelers game that they made the poor Broncos play. <laughs> a guy that wasn't even a quarterback on their practice squad. The guy played quarterback in college, but now he's a wide receiver on their practice squad. Like, hey, guess what? I mean, and kudos to that guy. I mean, oh, yeah. you're in an impossible situation. Your play, playbook had to be about a page and a half deep. And he goes out there and he gives it his best shot, better than you know I know I could do. So for people that are hating on it, like, hey, you know what? He's put in an impossible situation doing his best, you know, giving it his best shot. And, you know, but still, I don't understand what's going on. But, you know, there's a lot more money at stake than I guess I could ever fathom to to make in my lifetime, too. Oh, I'm sure. But you, you do got to give him credit. I mean, uh, at least for his sake, he was able to make a completion. You know, it would have yeah. been a real buzzkill if he went out there and didn't complete a pass. Not saying right. that people would have looked at him any different, but at least for his sake, you know, he can say he completed a pass and, you know, yeah. drove him down for at least a field goal. Yeah. But. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you think it's easy, but there's there's no way. I mean, especially since you have been playing that position since college. So. Yeah, and it does not even be – it's not even like he was on the you know the active roster, so he wasn't getting the same reps with every, like everybody else. No, he was on the practice squad. Yeah, as a wide receiver. Yeah. Too. <laughs> so, uh, while he's not so, getting as many reps as a receiver like all the other ones, he's getting zero reps as you know the as a quarterback. And even as a practice squad guy, my understanding is you're basically like scout team. Like you're going to run what the other teams do. We don't need you. You're you're not going to play wide receiver for us, really. Yeah. You're just a body, and uh, I don't know. I, I wonder what the I wonder what a good analogy would be like in the, in the working world. Like, oh, you've been a janitor your entire life. Now you're the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what the good uh, good phrase or you know comparison would be for that. But 
getting into the getting into the thick of things here, TJ. Uh, college hoop season's moving fast here. Yeah, there's still some cancellations going on, but more games I think are being played than what I think people would have expected to at this point. And we'll kind of start out with the big picture here. You know, NCAA, you know, as a whole, uh, anything that's kind of stood out to you with over this first week? I think Gonzaga is even better than I expected him to be. You know, I, of course, pay attention because uh, Aaron Cook from uh, played at SIU being with Gonzaga, but, you know, beating Kansas and they've had, you know, they played well. I think Xavier starting out 4-0. and Of course, you know, you and I were texting the other day when they were playing uh, Eastern Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky really, you know, pressed them for 45 minutes because they went to OT. But, you know, Xavier's looked good as well, you know, uh, been impressed with, with them so far. So, and then, of course, we've had a few upsets. What was it? Uh, San Francisco beat West Virginia right after they lost to UMass Lowell. Yeah, Virginia. And then, then Illinois State beats UMass Lowell after they got thumped by Ohio State. So it's just kind of chaotic, but we kind of knew that was going to uh, happen coming into this season. So, uh, you know, that's that's what stands out to me. Some, some of the chaos, but still some of the true blue buds are uh, playing really well also. Well, yeah, I mean as you said, San Francisco beating Virginia by one in basically the same fashion you would have expected. It was a low-scoring game. I think it was like 62-61, 61-60, somewhere in that range. But as you've seen, there have been so many mid-majors that not only are they you know, snagging a win here and there, if you're a sports better, I think a lot of betters are looking at that mid-major saying, okay, this 19-and-a-half spread's pretty big when there's not a home court atmosphere. And we've seen it a lot this year. They're they're taking games down to the wire. Mm-hmm, I forget for who, sure. who it was just the other day. I think they're 0-4, but I think Oakland took Michigan to overtime. And, yeah. And it wasn't even you know too much before that game. They – I think they got blown out by somebody, but you know you had that game today. UC Riverside, you know we're we're recording on Tuesday here. UC Riverside took it to Washington, beat them by double digits, and they were basically a double digit point underdog. They were nine and a half point dogs and came out and just basically throttled the Huskies. Right, and then on the other coast you have Navy beating Georgetown. So you don't ever think of Navy really. Since the days of David Robinson in a basketball sense, but be, you know, what you expect to be a pretty solid Georgetown team. Yeah. And that was a game where uh, Navy was double digit point underdogs as well. And I mean, so I, it's, it goes right along 2020. It's a year unlike any other year we've ever had. And it's going to be the same for college basketball. There's going to be. And, s- and we can't forget that, uh, you know, Kentucky lost again at home this year, and they lost to Richmond by a dozen just on Sunday. You know, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully Richmond doesn't meet the same fate that Evansville did last year. But you're right. Well, Richmond, Richmond's going to have a good team this year. They are very, very, I think senior led. They had a couple grad transfers, a couple seniors on the team, and I think they're picked to win if, or at least near the top of the A-10 projected-wise at the end of the year. And I I ended up taking that game, TJ. I took Richmond plus 7.5 wow. at Kentucky. For you. They said Kentucky 
I read where Kentucky was a little going to be a little shorthanded. Uh, they lacked experience, and and you know Richmond had that experience. And my God, they uh, yeah, I should have bet them straight up money line. It's been a nice uh, nice payback. But then if I would have did that, then they would have lost. So you know I'll take what I yeah, can get. And absolutely, you would have impacted that just with the way you betted. Yeah, that's that's exactly. And I just how said betted instead of the way you bet because you know there's there's my college degrees at work. Yeah, and well, it's been such a long week for me. I didn't even notice you said that. <laughs> but so we'll get into the OVC MVC here, TJ. A uh, lot of good things to talk about. I know at least on my end for the Ohio Valley. I know the Missouri Valley's had some, you know, good stuff going on as well in these first uh, few days of the season. So when you look at the Missouri Valley Conference, TJ, what has stood out to you thus far? Maybe in a good way or and then maybe something like you know is something going in the wrong direction than what you would have thought it would for one of the programs well i think what stood out to me most or so far has been northern iowa going 0-3 up in south dakota you know i mean they lose to a, a very solid western kentucky team you know they got the player that's probably gonna go get drafted they lose a close game to St. Mary's that they probably should have won. You know, and of course, St. Mary's is no slouch. They played you know, out there with Gonzaga and, and uh, San Francisco in their conference. But then they lose to Utah State, and they give up 82 points, 93 points, and then 66 to St. Mary's. So defensively, they, they really need to pull some things together. They were a little shorthanded. But I, I just I was really disturbed by how much they struggled defensively, and you know a surprise for them was they have a little freshman, a little left-handed freshman by the name of Bowen Bourne. They shot the lights out, and uh, they set a uh, school record for threes. I think they shoot they shot better than fifty percent in their first game against Western Kentucky. But it seems like that's all they're doing, you know. So they're gonna have to rely on outscoring people in general. So that, that was kind of alarming for a team. I think NBC people are hoping, you know, that will be the top one or two teams in the league and getting that large. We'll go on 0-3 here to start the season is probably uh, really putting you behind the eight ball, so to speak. I thought Bradley looked really good, you know, and their win over Toledo. I thought they really deserved to win again, the game against Xavier, but they missed uh, free throws late that could have yeah. really helped them out. Uh, including a free throw to tie with what was it under five seconds to go, you know, front end of a one and one, if I remember correctly. But, uh, you know, but then they, they beat Oakland who, like you mentioned earlier, you know, competed well with Michigan. So they start out, you know, two and one in a, in played and played three straight days as did Northern Iowa. Um, I thought Evansville was going to get a win. I thought they had Prairie view a and MB, but they just couldn't finish it off. And, uh, Drake, I think, has the best win to start the season with their 10-point win over K-State on that first day. I thought they looked really good. Um, is it uh, Sturts looked really good for um, Drake, as did Roman Penn, which you expected Roman Penn was going to look really good. But I thought they did some really nice things in that K-State game. So, Yeah, well, when you look at – you see what the Missouri Valley's done. I mean, you have – Drake really the only, the only team that's undefeated at 2-0, and but four teams have, have yet to play a game, which is Carbondale, Missouri State, Loyola, and Indiana State, which Carbondale looks like will look to have their first game t- 
tomorrow, which is Wednesday, against SEMO. So that'll be a, a crossover game between our two conferences. And then I think, what do we say, Evansville plays Tennessee Martin? Correct. So, I mean, so those four haven't haven't even played yet. You know, Valpo's 0-2 thus far. They lost to Illinois-Chicago, but they had, a, they had a quality game, I thought, at the, as their uh, season opener against Vanderbilt. They lost 77-71. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was much closer than that as well. You know, uh, of course, games like that, free throws towards the end kind of change your perspective if you didn't get a chance to watch. But I thought they played well in that game. But then watching them play against Illinois-Chicago, it just didn't seem... Uh, it seemed, they seemed flat. I think that's the way I'll put it. They just didn't have very good spacing, and uh, they're going to have to figure some things out, I think, too. So, But on the Ohio Valley side of things, there's a lot that I've been impressed with thus far. Uh, and there's two teams they haven't played yet, Tennessee State and UT Martin, but Belmont's where you would expect them to be. They're 3-0 and at this point. Um. But the one area I want to draw attention to is Eastern Illinois to start. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they, I was thinking that same thing. They, they're at the bottom of the conference at 0-3, but by God, they have played a brutal schedule thus far. Their game against Butler got postponed, but they gave Wisconsin all they wanted, who's ranked 7th. They lost 77-67. They competed with Marquette for, I think, about 25 minutes or so and then hit a lull and Marquette pulled away to win by more than 20. But then earlier today, they lost at Dayton, 66-63, which that game wasn't even on the schedule. That game was added late once that Butler game got postponed. And this is a team that I I watched their first two games because they were nationally televised and didn't start till late. But... Jay Spoonauer, I, I think, uh, yeah, they may be 0-3, but he's got a lot of stuff to look forward to this season. I, he's got a good group, looks to be very a very hardworking group at that, and to have the, that kind of competition at the beginning of your season with the experience that he has, I think there's good things in store for EIU this year. And, you know, Josiah Wallace is the guy that makes that ship run, and He's already averaging over 18 points per game. Yeah, and they had a real chance to win that game. That they were they cut it to one. I think it was 64-63, and they had a guy uh, trapped in the corner and fouled for whatever reason. You know, just overzealous. You know, it wasn't like it was a conscious decision. They hit both free throws, and they came down and had a shot to tie it, and uh, it just it fell short. But I mean, they they honestly had a chance to win that game against uh Dayton tonight you know so I think they're, they're right there coach can't be too upset like you said you played three tough road games here to start up the season you got to be looking forward to uh their next game and uh because they're, they're going to host Chicago State here uh, on Thursday Who? so that should be a win yeah. Eastern Illinois is going to yeah they match up I would think extremely well against uh Chicago State yeah that should be a game they win uh, sticking with the Eastern here, uh, Eastern Kentucky, you know, Coach A.W. Hamilton, we talked to him earlier in the year, and watching that game last night against Xavier, I mean, it was just fun. They, they lost 99, I think 96, 
it would have been great to see them win, but the way they competed and the heart that was shown by the Colonels was was second to none. I mean, they got down by, I think, 11 or 12 points in the second half, and they kept battling. And when we had talked to Coach Hamilton, you know, he mentioned that, you know, he, he wants his team to be be quick, you know, get up and down the floor fast, you know, basically out-condition other teams. And by being able to do that in practice, you know, condition so well, that helps that defensive and, you know, that defense uh, intensity. Intensity, yeah. Yep, got choked up there. And that showed last that showed last night. I mean, they forced 25 turnovers for Xavier. And to see Eastern Kentucky keep battling and seeing what Trey King was able to do against, you know, a Big East team, I think Eastern Kentucky's got a lot to look forward to and coach A.W. Hamilton should like where his team is heading especially after going down to one of the Carolinas and winning a couple games on a neutral court. Yeah. What would you put the over-under at for Eastern Kentucky versus Greenville University? Greenville University runs that Grinnell style where they're running guys out there. Murray just put 173 points up on them the other day. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that'd be... I mean, are you looking... I'd put that at about 260. I mean, if I put it at 450... Over under at four fifty. What do you think? Well, I, I the mean, fact I, that you even, the fact that you even have to think yeah, about it—that's. I mean, I mean forget what, you're, you're going to take the under, but the fact yeah. that you had to think about it, the over under at four fifty. They just—they're so quick. Eastern Kentucky yeah. is so quick getting up and down that floor, and well, I think it's—they're they, trapping you all the time. Like yes. You catch on the post, they trap. You catch on the wing, they trap. That to me, looking at it from a coaching perspective seemed to be the, the the area where they really took advantage. It wasn't so much the pressing, it was every time you caught the ball in, in the half court, they were they were trapping, you know, and that become that wears you down. And, you know, uh, Xavier didn't have nearly the depth in their rotation. It's just, you know, I think they only went eight guys with their rotation for the most part. And that, that really showed by the time they got to OT and then a guy fouls out. Yep. It it really started to wear on them. Oh yeah, they were they were gassed. And that's I was really kind of surprised that they only went eight players deep, and even only going eight players deep. I'm I'm looking at the box score here right now. One of the guys only played three minutes. So Xavier, yeah. So Xavier basically only had seven guys play, and it's no surprise that they went. You know, had 25 turnovers, but to mm-hmm. s- to see that Xavier only had basically seven guys play, that just shows you how nervous the Xavier coaching staff was to put in their bench. Like they, they did not feel confident enough that if they put their bench in, that they'd be able to hold Eastern Kentucky at bay. And so I, I think that's exactly why they didn't go any deeper. And with Eastern Kentucky style, they, they gave them everything they wanted. And even in that play in overtime, I think it was Jamaru Brown banks in that three, but his toe was on the line. Yeah. And it was it it was really disheartening to see that it was, you know, it went in, but foot was on the line, still down one. I mean, I'm like, you you just got it. You just felt sick for the whole team, 
you know, to, to get to that point. And then, you know, you fall just short. But it was – I think that Eastern Kentucky is going to be – they're going to give – they're going to have a run for their money here, I think, uh, atop the Ohio Valley before things are all said and done. It'll be interesting to see how the season shapes up. And like you said, uh, as Eastern Illinois kind of shapes up here, to start with that tough schedule and then Eastern Kentucky and what can they do. And, of course, we're trying to see what Austin P is as well. So – yeah, I mean Austin P is a good example. They, uh, you know, they're projected. You know, they were slated, had the most points in the preseason OVC uh, rankings, and they've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, they haven't had the quite the firepower that I think some people were looking for. Yeah, they are two and one still, but they haven't had the easiest of times getting those two wins either. You know, they only beat Omaha by. I think like four to six points and I think it was East Tennessee State they end up winning by one and then they lost to uh Abilene Christian yeah they lost them by almost double digits I think yeah so that's uh and I think as time goes on they'll get better um I think they have a couple let me check this out yeah they have two I guess NAI or Division Three schools on their schedule, so they'll have some time to work out some kinks there. But I think by the time Ohio Valley starts, they should be able to get things rolling in the right direction. But it's not going to be easy at first because their first two conference games are against Murray State. <laughs> so, so right when you think you're getting things figured out, you know it's you know you're in for uh, you're in for an awakening there, Semo. Uh, they were uh, underdogs on the road against UMKC, snuck out a win there. They were supposed to have played Northern Colorado, but that game got postponed. So instead of playing two games down in uh, Kansas City, part of the I think it was the Negro League Baseball Classic, they ended up only playing one. And then I saw where they had they were supposed to have had a game against Greenville College there also, but that game ended up not happening. Hmm. So uh, they, Greenville wasn't supposed to have been a part of that tournament, or MTE, whatever you want to call it. Right. But once that Northern Colorado game got nixed, they were, uh, I guess, supposed to play Greenville, but that ended up not happening either. So I guess Greenville's just trying to play as many games against Division One teams as possible because they just played Murray, and I think they played, was it Samford earlier? And there was yeah, a lot of points there, too. And there was, a, there was another one in there, too, I think, as well, that... Maybe they're supposed to play a, an NBC school, but I definitely, it definitely came across my uh, radar in another scenario. Try to look for it now. But, yeah, but they play that that Grinnell style where they're just they run cats in and out all day long and up and down the court, and you know. So that I, I would be interesting to see what the line would be if they did play Eastern Kentucky, though. I just couldn't imagine Brock or announcing that game. By the time you get one sentence out of your mouth, they'll be going the other direction. Yep. But so, be a good learn. That'd be a good one to learn on. That way, everything was easier after that. Oh yeah, get the hardest one out of the <laughs> way first. No kidding. But so that's that's a little bit of you know what's happened thus far. You know things that have kind of stood out to us on each side of uh, the conference here. Looking ahead to basically this week. 
still some good games on the on the docket for uh, I know OVC and I know MVC's got some good ones as well. But looking at tomorrow, especially uh, Moorhead State travels to 23rd ranked Ohio State, uh, Eastern Kentucky back on the road. It looks like they're going back to Carolina again. So they weren't away from the Carolinas for too long, and they're back back at it again. Uh, Xavier hosting another OVC school in Tennessee Tech. But then you got the the two crossover games we mentioned, TJ. You got SEMO and Carbondale, and then Evansville and UT Martin. And, mm-hmm. you know, looking at the SEMO and SIU game, it's in, it's in Cape Girardeau. SEMO uh, was able to get their first win under Coach Brad Korn in his first game. And this will be a game where, you know, could uh i don't say it has a lot at stake but this would be a good game for coach brad corn at semo you know going back to his time you know with the salukis and, and carbondale yeah it'll be interesting too you know uh, i think it helps that semo uh, already has a game under their belt where uh, siu carbondale has not played yet and it came out over the weekend that uh, siu carbondale's head coach brian mullins uh, had been tested positive for COVID, so he won't be traveling with the team this week. They're actually going to, his brother Brendan will be taking over, but you know, my understanding is they have a pretty close staff, and you think if anyone knows how you're going to coach, it's going to be your brother. So I think they'll be okay from that perspective, but I think being their first year, or not their first year, but their first game of the year and having just paused themselves, because they just got practice started back up again on Friday, full go after they had some positive COVID tests. So it be interesting to see how uh, they've kind of come together because it seems like they have a lot of new faces on that team. So hopefully those things will be worked out from uh, SIU's perspective. But again, you know, this will be a good opportunity for uh, Coach Corn and SEMO to, to make a statement, so to speak, at least from their program's perspective. So well, well, I think that, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, that you know, not only making a splash for their program, but they at this point, SEMO really doesn't have anything to lose. They're going out there playing right. with no, you know, basically playing stress free here. They're pick 12th, which is in the cellar. So anything they can do is going to help boost their confidence and help turn heads one way or the other. Yep, for sure. So, what do you think about that? Uh, the UT Martin Evansville game. Evansville is still trying to break that losing streak. If they mentioned it once the other day in the uh, the game they played against Prairie View A&M, they must have mentioned it a dozen times that they have not won in 2020, which I'm sure Evansville fans are just sick and tired of hearing. Yeah, the, I'm sure that gets old very quickly. Uh, I think their time is coming for a win, but I I just don't see it happening tomorrow. Uh, Tennessee Martin has not played a game yet, but seeing how things have you know transpired you know in the last you know few, last few weeks you know down in Tennessee Martin, I think the UT Martin program comes out you know playing with heavy hearts and you know wanting to wanting to get a win for their uh, you know former coach. Right, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out tomorrow. So, and then uh, looks like there is a Ohio Valley game, conference game, 
tomorrow as well. The two schools in Nashville, Belmont and Tennessee State, will go go at it 8 p.m. Central time. <clears throat> Belmont's already played three games. Uh, Tennessee State has not played a game yet. So they're going right into the thick of things here for, uh, you know, conference. Their game against Coppin State was canceled. And judging by the looks of things, they've only got two two non-conference games the rest of the way. They got a NAIA school, and then looks like they play Chattanooga. So, you know, they're... <laughs> Just like Murray State playing Austin P twice, Belmont and Tennessee State play each other twice as well to start off the start off the season here, essentially for Tennessee State. So that game will be interesting since it's since they're both in Nashville. Uh, everybody knows how good Belmont's been, but we'll see how well Tennessee State's able to you know basically knock that rust off. You know, jumping right into. Are we the sure that game's still happening? I, I I'm seeing that that game's postponed. Is it postponed? I haven't seen that yet. So yeah, that's it's that's I'm just coming across that it, it's been rescheduled. So oh yeah, I, such, I just saw say, that too. Such is life in uh, 2020. Yeah, once you've they pushed <laughs> it back to uh, December 18th. Oh yeah, because it looks like they have a bunch of a uh, bunch of positive tests and just don't even have enough players to form a team at this point. Yep, and I don't think you'd want to play not. a conference game that way anyway. No. It'd be one thing to get against a, you know, a D2 or an NAIA school, but definitely don't want to open up the conference play against you know, one of the top teams in the league. So, yeah, we, we have too many. We're going to just take a moment here. Well, now, I mean, you get to the point now, so if you're Belmont, for example... They've already played three non-conference games, and having that non-conference limit, you know, now since you don't have a game against Tennessee State, now your next game isn't until December 5th against Sanford. So now they basically have a full week off, and, you know, now you're to the point where, you know, do you try and get a game in there and then, you know, nix one of your other ones, or you just say, you know, we're just going to, you know, hope that the other non-conference games don't get canceled. Because, I mean, you could probably find a non-conference game to be played during this stretch before they play Sanford on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, hey, Greenville's already going to be uh, be around anyway, so might as well play them. Yeah, I mean, so many moving, <laughs> <laughs> so many moving parts. Like, you don't want to take a game away from another program but seeing how things are you don't know how healthy your team may be seven days from now let alone three days so it definitely has a feel of summer baseball coach during a wet summer (laughs) oh cancel the game all right let's see if we can get one tomorrow see who can play since we haven't played in four days we need our pitchers to throw that's exactly what it feels like and i can (laughs) i can say that as a as an experience but looking at the Missouri Valley things, TJ, what do we got to look forward to here? Uh, well, after those two games tomorrow, uh, Drake's going to host Omaha. And Omaha went 9-7 and seven out of the Summit League uh, last year. And Valparaiso will play at Purdue. And, you know, I think Purdue's looking for big things again this year while Valparaiso's still trying to get their legs under them. I did see that uh, Drake's going to play St. Ambrose out of uh, – they're in NAIA school there in Iowa. So 
Um, actually, UNI is going to play them on Friday. Northern Iowa is going to play them on Friday. They're, then St. Ambrose will play Drake on Sunday. But then Saturday, things heat back up. St. Joseph's out of the A-10. They'll go to Bradley. And then Southern Illinois is looking for vengeance over Southern Miss. Because Southern Miss struggled last year. And I think I think it's probably fair to say that that was probably their, the worst loss on SIU's schedule last year when they lost at Southern Miss. And then Missouri State uh, is projected to still be paused as of Saturday. And then uh, you start to see more Valley teams hosting. So IUPUI at Evansville, Judson, who uh, Bradley took care of tonight, they'll go to Valpo. So Valpo will get a win there, if nothing else. And uh, just those are some games. I think those are all winnable games for you know, those NBC schools. And then Tuesday, so a week from the day, we see Indianapolis, University of Indianapolis, who's a D2 school that played in the Great Lakes Valley Conference, going to Indiana State. So I get them kicked off. And then South Dakota State out of the Summit League. And uh, they'll go to Bradley that day. So, yeah, I think, you know, Bradley, that'll be a good test for them going against South Dakota State. You know, I'm South Dakota State was 22-10 and 10 last year and went 13-3 and three out of the Summit. So I'm looking forward to that game, that South Dakota yeah. State and Bradley game. That's a very good program, you know, the Jackrabbits have. And they took West Virginia down to the wire uh, to open the season. They lost – I think by single digits, and West Virginia's a ranked team, and then they turned around and blew out Utah State, and then they played another solid program after. I can't think of who it was, but um, I think that that will be a good test for Bradley. It is at home, but as we know, it, you know, home court doesn't mean much at this point. The Not only thing sure. it's doing is you know saving saving the travel, you know, not being jet lagged, if you would. If you will, um, yeah, you don't have to worry about. I, I, I think though, you know, you talk about the home court advantage, but I think sometimes the good athletes they feed off of even hostile crowds. You know, I I always thought if you went to some place and you had your you want your kids to either love playing there or hate playing there because that that got them focused one way or the other. It's kind of places that were, you know, there was lack of an atmosphere like we have now that. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to get focused and for both sides, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And I can see where players get motivated to go up against a not only a good program, but playing in front of a basically a crowd where you have that feel that, oh, they just don't like me. And they don't want us to have any success. And they're just, you know, you know, wanting the worst to come out of this game. And, and I think that does get players and especially coaching staff motivated and it helps them want to go in there with some momentum and, and you know, fire under, you know, light and fire under them. And I think that does help, which obviously it's not going to help this year either. So both 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 spots, whether you're a team that likes to play on the road or a team that likes to play at home, it really doesn't matter this year in my opinion. Uh, right. But Indiana State plays SLU sometime, uh, sometime in the coming days, I believe, too. Which and SLU is a little shorthanded right now, as we've seen here in the St. Louis area. I've seen a lot of news about that, so that could be a good test for uh, Indiana State when they play. Yeah, SLU. that's. They we're still about two weeks away from that, so I, I, I get I get 
I guess, uh, nervous looking any more than a week out at this point, the way things have been, like we talked about, drastically changing so quickly. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong considering that it being that far <laughs> out. It, it, it may not happen. That's that's for sure. Um, but I don't know, just a lot of good things happening right now between the MVC and OVC. Uh, really wanted to try and get an interview this week. Uh, just wasn't going to work out, and it doesn't help with my schedule. You know, working working these twelve hour shifts, it's been tough to get a, somebody to come on and do an interview at eight thirty nine o'clock at night, which completely <laughs> understand. So hopefully, by the time next week rolls around, we'll be back to getting some uh, some quality interviews on here. You know, for you guys to get some get some good knowledge, and you know, basically see what it see what some of the coaches you know thoughts have been on the season to this point but looking ahead here i know tj you got your uh two two previews for the missouri valley side yeah just going in alphabetical order so the next one on my list was missouri state um preseason they were picked to finish six this year they finished 16 and 17 last year went nine and nine in the league to finish sixth. They lost to Valparaiso in the tournament semifinals after they beat Indiana State in the quarters. Key losses in my book to Leo De Silva. Uh, I think he kind of I thought he underperformed last year but I think you can say that about I think most Missouri State fans would say that was the case. Keandre, Keandre Cook and Lamont West are their big losses. Key returners, Gage Krim who uh, came, who kind of burst onto the scene last year had a good uh, Good run, but he, he just fought health problems all year last year. Isaiah Mosley and Jamonte Black. Uh, I think the consensus was when we had Wyatt Wheeler uh, from the Springfield News Leader on back this summer, he kind of uh, confirmed this. I think the consensus was that there was a lack of cohesion last year, maybe not much team play. And it'll be interesting to see how Coach Ford rectifies that this this year, given the situation and add in that the the Bears have eight new faces. They have four transfers coming in. They have four freshmen. So, uh, again, Gage Krim's going to – everything's going to run through him. He's their lone senior. Uh, I'd like to see his passing improve. I think there were times that he could have, instead of kind of forcing the issue because physically he could, that kick the ball back out, get reset, and, you know, get post again, or maybe get yourself in a better situation. But either way, he's going to be a force inside. He's going to be a monster on the boards. And like I said, he's the only senior that they have. So there could be some, uh, a lot of room for growth for the Bears as they get going here. Um, the perimeter shooting will be key. Uh, Black and Mosley can now play off-guard positions, which is a little more natural spot for them. They have a kid coming in, I believe, who went to Colby College, for his Juco kid by the name of Demarcus Sharp. And he averaged over five and a half assists per game. So, you know, when you talk about team cohesion and playing together being a problem, when you get a guy that is willing to dish it out uh, five or six times a game, that does a lot to help your teammates feel like they're involved and and uh, you have somebody that's uh, visibly unselfish backing up. And they're going to have a ton of size. They, you know, they have a guy that came in from Hawaii. From what I can find, they're still waiting to see if he can get a waiver, but he's a seven-footer off the bench for them. So they're definitely going to have a ton of size. So I think the big key here for them is just how quickly 
can they come together with everything that's going on and you know the lack of practice time that we've seen for teams since last uh, spring and everything got shut down and then the last one I had for tonight was uh, Northern Iowa MVC uh, preseason pick finished first and I think you know a lot of people are thinking they and Loyola are right there together they went 25 and 6 last year finished in first place at 14 and 4 but lost they were upset by their in-state rival Drake in the tournament quarterfinals Key losses, Isaiah Brown, who was just a defensive stud for them. Justin Dahl, who did a lot to give them some depth in the post. And then Spencer Haldeman was a, a sharpshooter for them. You know, it just felt like whenever they needed a shot uh, and A.J. Green couldn't get it, that Spencer would hit that big shot for them. Key returners, A.J. Green, you know, returning Larry Bird winner. Obviously the favorite to, to uh, win the Larry Bird trophy again this year. Austin Fife, who's a redshirt junior, and then Trey Burhau, Tawan Pickford, and then Antoine Kimmins as well. And I think everything's going to run through AJ. Uh, I think he's going to need some help from his teammates. Like I said, he had uh, there's a freshman kid by the name of Bowen Bourne from there from Iowa that uh, lit it up as well. And uh, so I think those guys are going to be able to help him out. But I think too many times they just waited for AJ to take over, which he's very capable of and can do. But those guys have to realize the more they can contribute and be a threat, the more pressure that takes off AJ just from a perspective of they can't give as much attention to him defensively. I think losing Brown is going to be a, a huge thing for them to overcome. I think that was evident when they're playing in South Dakota that they need him or they need a guy like him, excuse me, and Dahl giving them depth in the posts, especially when Austin Fife got into foul trouble. So how are they going to replace that? And, you know, the three-point shooting from Noah Carter uh, will be key for them as he's a sophomore. So I think they need to figure some things out defensively. Um, one thing I saw, and I, I looked and looked and looked, and I don't think they have one new transfer on their roster this season, which I found wow. was pretty remarkable given, you know, how prevalent transfers seem to be these days. So that's yeah. what I had. And, you know, next week I'll finish up with Southern Illinois and Valparaiso. So next time we'll just have to remember we need to start these earlier than uh, three weeks before the season starts. Well, just kind of caught up on it, caught up so quickly. Yeah. You know, we didn't yeah, know if the season was going to happen or, you know, what was going on. But yeah. I uh, <laughs> I don't have my two this week. Mine will, I guess I'll have to push them all into next week when I have a lot more time to sit back and get a lot of stuff figured out i could i could talk about two teams tonight but it probably wouldn't be you know probably wouldn't be good talk wouldn't be worthy of even mentioning it um so once my 12 hour shifts settle down here which should be next couple days get right back into it and get energized again get some sleep and i'll be ready to go well yeah and get to go out there and spend all that overtime money too yeah, put yeah. some big put some big money on games. Yeah, well, I think I'm gonna try and save <laughs> save a lot of it, but you know, I could splurge on a game here and there, I guess. Uh huh. But with that, TJ, you got any final thoughts here? No, I don't. I mean, just uh, be cheering for the Missouri Valley over the Ohio Valley, especially tomorrow. So, uh, looking forward to seeing my Salukis finally in action and uh, enjoying those games. Okay. I, I will say this. I, I am gonna. I apologize for this. 
watching a little bit of ESPN three, watching the uh, uh, Eastern Illinois game. I'm already tired of at least two commercials on ESPN three. <laughs> there's there's the FedEx commercial where they have it set up like it's a American Ninja Warrior, and then they they always seem to have the GoPro uh, commercial right after it. Like I was like, oh, we're going to get the techno music next. And my wife looked at me and as soon as it hit, she's like, just gives me the eye rolls. Like, here we go. <laughs> so, but no drug addiction network commercials yet though. God, so. That, that, that commercial last year was so bad. I think that was two years ago. I think last year the commercial was the, was uh, the insurance commercial. And that what it was where the guy was uh, going to look in the investigators like, oh, so-and-so, he died on a, in a boat accident. Oh, yep. Yeah, you're I right. I can't even remember what it's for. I don't either. It's, it, but, it, yeah, they need to come up with some better better ones. I get that they probably only have so many, but I'd rather just be no commercial. I just yeah. kind of walk away when some of those commercials come on. <laughs> well, it has to, anything's better than that stupid GMC commercial where the lady's like, oh, I got two of these one for you and one for me and then her husband takes her out front like i got cars for us one for you one for me and then she takes the truck it's like what are you doing lady (laughs) makes me change the channel quicker than uh when you're in the car listening to the radio like this is a test of the emergency broadcast system i'd rather listen to that oh that's that's kind of low that's rock bottom, TJ. Hey, I'm telling you, that's how I feel about it. I'd rather just... You told me I have to listen to every one of those for the rest of my life to never see that GMC commercial. I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm I'm signing up. All right. Well, glad, that's good to know. That's good. <laughs> uh, I don't really have anything else. Uh, maybe we can have a side wager here. Uh, these games start tomorrow, so let's think of, uh, think of something we want. The other one buys the other... Their choice of dinner, I guess, once the season ends. Sure. I already, I already know which place you're going to choose, so I'll have you to do that. If you're paying, I'm picking someplace nice. We're like going to the hill. Oh, okay. All right. Go to, go to Regazzi's and get a fishbowl, something like that. All right. Yeah, we'll go upscale here now. Okay. <laughs> the only, the only other thing I got is. Uh, Jacksonville State, two wins here after losing to Alabama, both wins as underdogs. So they're uh, they got things moving in the right direction after a season opening loss, and then just beat an NAI school. So they've won three in a row. Wow! But with that, that'll uh, that'll wrap up episode twenty-five here on View of the Valleys for TJ Hoover. I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week for episode twenty-six as we roll on. And hopefully by then I'm caught up on sleep. So for that, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple and give us a follow on Twitter at View Valleys Pod. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving and enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.